On a cold February night in 2007, Chris Williams could not react in time. As he was driving, another car came speeding over the hill toward him on the wrong side of the road. The two cars hit head-on. The, the impact of the crash spun Chris's car and it smashed it into a, a bridge support under the freeway. When his car finally came to a stop, Chris was alive. But he had his whole family in the car with him. He saw his pregnant wife sitting next to him. He saw her take her last breath. Two of his three children in the back seat were already gone. As, as he looked out his, his driver's side window, he saw the other car about 50 feet away, upside down on the road. As he looked out, he had a thought to himself, whoever has done this to us, I forgive them. I don't care what the circumstances were, I forgive them. He found out the circumstances pretty soon after. The police found a 17-year-old boy, not far away, dazed and in shock. He was the driver of the other car. This teenager had been driving way over the speed limit, and, and it was confirmed that he'd been driving under the influence of alcohol. The deaths of Chris's wife and his children were not just the result of an accident. They were the result of someone's bad choice. Maybe now Chris would change his mind about forgiving the other driver. But not long after the crash, Chris Williams announced publicly that he forgave Cameron White, that teenager who had been responsible for the deaths of nearly his whole family. Chris Williams' res response to the tragic deaths of his wife and children is not what we expect. He lost his whole family, his whole future. But he forgave the person who took that family and future from him. Instead of offering forgiveness, we'd expect Chris to say, I can't ever forgive the person that did this. To me. And, and we'd probably nod our heads along in agreement. Yeah. How could you? His forgiveness is unexpected. And that's the thing about forgiveness. It's not expected. We, we do expect people to apologize, but we don't expect people to forgive. And even from very early on, children are taught to say, I'm sorry, when they do something wrong. Apologies are expected. But are, are children taught in the same way to, to say, I forgive you, when someone apologizes to them? I, I'm sure some children are, and, and to some degree. But I, I still think that Apologies are expected. Forgiveness, not so much. Not on the same level. I, I think generally that's true. Forgiveness 
is unexpected. And if, if Chris Williams' story of forgiving a drunk driver is unexpected, then so is the story of Joseph in the book of Genesis. And of course, to, to understand the, the unexpected reaction that Joseph has to his brothers here in chapter 45, I mean, you, you have to know the story of what happened to Joseph, right? I'm sure you picked up a lot of it here in the, in the children's message, right? Joseph is, is the 11th of 12 brothers. His father Jacob has 12 sons, but Joseph's clearly the favorite one. He gets that fancy coat with all the colors in it, and his brothers aren't happy about that. Joseph didn't really help matters either. He was kind of pompous. And every day he wore that robe, his brothers saw it, and they remembered what's going on here. One day when they've got Joseph alone out in the field, they plot to kill him. They, they eventually settle on just throwing him into a cistern. And then when they see a slave caravan coming, headed towards Egypt, they sell him to the slave traders. They take Joseph's coat, they dip it in goat's blood, and then they take it back to their father Jacob and say, your son Joseph was, was attacked and killed by a wild animal. I'm sorry he's gone. But then in Egypt, long story short, after a number of, number of other events, Joseph ends up in a prison. While he's there, God grants him the ability to interpret two other prisoners' dreams. And the dreams come true. One of those other prisoners, he used to work for the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and he goes free. He, he's released from prison. He goes back and he gets his old job working in Pharaoh's house. And then a couple years later, Pharaoh himself has some troubling dreams. He wants to get them interpreted. And this other prisoner, he says, oh, hey, I know a guy. You should have Joseph come and interpret your dreams for you. So he takes Joseph out of prison, and he, he meets with Pharaoh, and he reveals to Pharaoh that his dreams are foretelling seven good years of abundant harvest. But they'll be followed by an intense seven-year famine. And so Joseph, he even goes on to, to give Pharaoh the whole plan for how Egypt can, can ride out the famine by stocking up the, the correct amount of food during those seven good years. And, and Pharaoh is really impressed. He promotes Joseph to be his, his right-hand man. And the dreams come true. And Joseph's plan saves Egypt from starvation, even supplying food for the whole known world of that time, all through Egypt because of his plan. Joseph was 17 years old when his brothers sold him into slavery. And now they're in that second year of the severe famine. 22 years later, Joseph is now a 39-year-old man. He's still ruling as Pharaoh's second in command. A lot has happened in the last 22 years. And then... Joseph's brothers show up on his doorstep needing some food. They don't even recognize Joseph. He, he looks Egyptian. He speaks Egyptian. He, he even had a, an interpreter speak for him. And it looks like now Joseph's got his brothers right where he wants them to take his revenge 
for the cruelty they gave to him. That's what we'd expect. Joseph, he had all this power, all this authority. He could do whatever he wanted to make his brothers pay. We expect revenge. And so do Joseph's brothers. They're they're terrified when Joseph unveils his identity to them. Joseph says to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. I mean, Pharaoh's right-hand man is their brother they tried to murder. Uh Uh-oh. And they're scared speechless. And really, what could they have said to defend themselves? What kind of excuse could they have come up with to Joseph? Nothing. They did a horrible thing to Joseph, and now they're, they're expecting to get the revenge that Joseph's probably been plotting for the last 22 years. But instead, he does something unexpected. Joseph forgives his brothers. He weeps as he reveals himself to them. He, he calms them by, by having them come close to him and talk with him. He, he reveals his identity a second time to them. For two, or sorry, I'm your, jo- I'm your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Joseph still identifies himself as their brother even after all the horrible things they'd done to him. Joseph could pretty clearly see what was going on in his brother's heads as they come face to face with their long lost brother. Sharp pangs of guilt must have swept over them. Memories of that day 22 years ago came flooding back. They're terrified. But Joseph, he doesn't want his brothers to be afraid. He already decided to forgive them because he already knew that God steered everything exactly the way it needed to be. If his brothers had never sold him to Egypt, then he never would be in the position he is in now to save so many countless lives, even even the lives of his own family, his brothers right in front of him and his father back home. Joseph goes on to say, For two years now there's been famine in the land, and for the next five years there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. God turned that cruel act of his brothers into something good. A great deliverance for the saving of many people. And now Joseph wanted to give a great deliverance to his brothers too. Not just by giving them the food they needed, but by giving them the peace they needed. He forgave them. And now that that heavy burden of guilt they'd all been carrying around for two decades, finally could be lifted off. The, the tension that was just building up finally 
can be let go. Joseph forgave his brothers. And he, he never did say, actually, the words, I forgive you. But he demonstrated his forgiveness with his actions probably more clearly than he ever could have with words. Joseph kissed all his brothers and wept over them. Afterward, his brothers talked with him. Joseph didn't do the easy thing by forgiving his brothers. The easier route is revenge. And there's no denying that revenge is sweet. Actually, studies in psychology even back this up. There's one study done in Switzerland using fMRIs attached on people's brains. And they did the study and they, they confirmed that the pleasure pathways in the brain light up right before a person enacts vengeance. Revenge is sweet. We, we all have this, this natural, sinful impulse to try and make things even, to get even with someone else. So we, we think, if someone wrongs me, they deserve to feel the same amount of pain that I did. They should feel it in equal measure, if not more. And so this is why we hold on to petty grudges for years, just waiting and ready for the moment to bring up how that person wronged us so we can use it against them. We find little ways to take revenge. Maybe it's insignificant things like the way we react to someone who cuts us off on the road. But sometimes this revenge, it, it translates into a boiling up, just a filling up of anger in your heart over time against a, a spouse, a sibling, a former friend. We cut off communication. We, we take jabs at them because, hey, they're going to take jabs at us. Might as well get one in first. Revenge is sweet. But like all sweet things, it is, in the end, not good for you. Literally. Withholding forgiveness is bad for your health. There's some other studies on this too, some studies in psychology. One was done by the University of Wisconsin, um, proving they, they, they found that the inability to forgive impacts blood pressure, immune response, and depression. Revenge is bad for you. Plus, there will be no peace of mind for you or the person who, you, who wronged you if you withhold forgiveness. There'll be no peace. Seeking revenge, holding grudges, is the great destroyer of relationships, the great tension maker. And above all, seeking revenge is bad for you because it, it's just one more sin added to the heap of offenses before our holy God who demands perfection. Joseph gave his brothers unexpected forgiveness. God doesn't treat us in the way we would expect him to either. Even though our hearts so easily 
get filled up with anger or thoughts of revenge. God doesn't treat with us according to our angry, sinful thoughts and actions. God gives us his unexpected forgiveness. And forgiveness is the most extreme way for love to be unveiled. Forgiving someone means loving them, even when they don't deserve love at that moment. Forgiving, forgiving means that you don't take that chance to get even. Forgiving means that you repay evil with good. You know that God gives you this kind of forgiveness. You know it because he doesn't just say, I forgive you. God gave his son to prove it loud and clear on the cross. I forgive you. Your forgiveness is sealed by the actions of your Savior. And sin, the, the great destroyer, has been cleared from your name by the great deliverance of Christ's forgiveness. You stand in the objective fact that your sins are forgiven because of what Christ has done. We've received this, this unexpected relief that comes with forgiveness. And now we give that unexpected forgiveness to others too. Because how can we hold on to grudges when God doesn't hold anything against us for the many times we've trampled on his love? How can we go on withholding forgiveness from someone when, when God freely handed forgiveness to us in the outstretched arms of Jesus? Joseph found strength to forgive his brothers because he knew God's good plan had turned their cruelty into a great deliverance, the saving of many lives. We know God's good plan for our lives too, that we've got forgiveness and peace now, that we've got a life forever with him in heaven. We've already got our great deliverance. So what's stopping us from delivering others from their sin and guilt by forgiving them? I think Joseph and Chris Williams both realized that for all the, the pain of loss that they experienced, that the people on the other side of this conflict, they were in pain too. That they were suffering under a heavy burden of guilt for what they'd done. Joseph's brothers and, and Cameron White, that reckless teenager, they couldn't take these steps towards healing until they first knew they were forgiven by the person they had so badly wronged. You see, in a conflict or tragedy, everyone involved experiences pain of different kinds. And forgiveness might be the only way for everyone involved to find peace. This probably should be said about forgiveness, too. You know, forgiving someone doesn't mean that you forget that something painful happened. Forgiving does not mean you minimize what happened. 
Forgiving also doesn't mean like you just don't hold people accountable for what they did, for their actions. But there's just a big difference between revenge and justice. What forgiveness will do is that it will reflect the love your Savior's given you to others. That undeserving love that you have, you're sharing it. You're showing it. Forgiveness will allow you and the person you're in conflict with to start moving forward, to start healing, rather than being stuck in the past, which doesn't help the situation at all. And just look at the, the results at the end of Joseph's story. He, he kisses and embraces his brothers in an act of forgiveness. And then they talk together. All that tension, gone. They talk freely again as brothers instead of as enemies. Instead of being terrified in Joseph's presence, his brothers, they weep with him. They, they weep and heal together. How much better was that? What happened in the past couldn't be changed. But the future still could be. And at this point now, all these brothers, they had a better relationship now than they did 22 years earlier before the incident ever happened. All because Joseph extended forgiveness. Revenge is sweet, but forgiveness is so much sweeter. It lasts so much longer. So ask yourself today, what grudges am I still clinging to? Which people in my life have I, have I been withholding forgiveness from? And maybe it's time to start rethinking, ever using the phrase, I can't forgive that person for what they did. Because God has never said that to you or me. Jesus says, no matter what they've done, no matter what they will do, I forgive them. And this is the harder of two roads that you could take, but you can give unexpected forgiveness to people because you've already received extreme forgiving love from your Savior. Revenge is predictable. It's what we all expect. Do something unexpected. Forgive. Amen.